What's going on everyone? Welcome to BitCast episode 52. Today we're going to be talking about Borderlands 3, Wolfenstein Youngblood, Mortal Kombat 11, Division 2, Anthem, and a bunch of rumors that have come out for some major games this week as well. I'm going to be reviewing the Division 2 and then we'll talk about obviously what we've been playing. So joined by Mr. Dan Rodriguez and Sir Bert Sines. Bert, I don't know if you knew you were knighted overnight, but you're now Sir. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and kick it off with Borderlands 3, just kind of like we did last week. But with this new teaser trailer we got, uh, we finally got the release date, which is September 13th. So pretty early in that big fall rush. Um, what we've seen so far is that all the leaks that came out about a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, have been true so far. So uh, we, got, we saw some more of the characters this week. If you actually go to Borderlands.com, they've detailed a bunch of the weaponry and the characters themselves. And uh, from what we've seen here, the pre-order data, some of the uh, people within the industry that look at this stuff on like Super Data and some other sites have said that it's, uh, it's already like blowing away uh, their expectations for pre-orders, including the collector's edition, which even at $250 sold out in less than a couple of hours. So uh, not a whole lot more to say on this one, guys. We covered a lot of it last week, but... Uh, Pretty cool that we've got the release date, and we're going to see a full gameplay breakdown here in a couple weeks on May 1st. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of new things to say. As you mentioned, uh, this was talked about at, at length last week, but it's cool to see more of the details coming out, which is really nice. I think it's going to be the game to beat of the fall so far that has a confirmed release date. Um, one of the things that's been really interesting to me is the hype for Borderlands right now. So everybody is just on the hype train for Borderlands for the old copies. I know the Game of the Year edition launched this week at GameStop Physical, and that sold out in minutes. I know some stores didn't get that many, but people have been selling them like crazy. The, even the HD Handsome Collection is getting a lot more gameplay. People are talking about wanting to play together. I think even we've talked about wanting to play some of it together. So it's really cool to see the fans super excited. I'm excited to see more of it. I'm actually wanting to see some gameplay and see what it actually brings as far as new things. So super excited for it. I can't wait for it to come out in the fall. Yep. Um, there's, yeah, there's really not a whole lot more to say. I know I saw somebody tweet out, you know, don't, your dear game devs, don't... Um, don't release your game on September 13th because it's going to fail miserably. You know, I mean, that's huge, man. I'm so excited for Borderlands 3. Um, you know, whatever, man. I, that collector's edition was so nice. And even if I did want it, I mean, there was probably no chance I would have got it in time. I can't believe it sold out so fast. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it sold out really quickly. Funny enough, I was putting the article up on the site, and then it occurred to me that the uh, collector's editions may be up. So sure enough, I went to Borderlands.com and uh, and was able to grab a couple. Um, yes, a couple. Uh, going for Xbox and for PlayStation, <laughs> but my family is huge Borderlands, so we're going to own multiple, multiple copies. So, But anyway, um, yeah, it looks great, and I'm really looking forward to May 1st to see what, uh, you know, to, to see the character breakdown, see some of the talents from what we've heard. The characters this time around will have multiple ultimates and really extensive skill trees so much more in depth than borderlands one and two which i'm really looking forward to so well this kind of one uh, flew under the radar a little bit is wolfenstein youngblood we saw this last e3 it looked really interesting you know with wolfenstein 2 getting such rave reviews and i know we all loved it um youngblood got kind of demoed last year and it kind of went quiet we hadn't heard anything about it so this was announced uh, about, I don't know, a few days ago that it's going to come out on July 26th. 
And uh, I'm surprised that this isn't getting more hype, considering Wolfenstein 2 was really like a game of the year contender and one of the best shooters we've played in many years. Um, I don't really hear anyone talking about this, surprisingly. Uh, and it's coming to the Switch day and date with uh, the rest of the consoles and PC as well. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I mean, it's it looks great. I mean, like you said, everybody loved Wolfenstein, at least the three of us. And it was, I mean, it looks a little campy, maybe. But um, it also kind of reminds me of maybe like Far Cry New Dawn, you know, having that, you know, a little bit cheaper price was the $40 and, you know, might not be a full game like Wolfenstein was, but, you know, they do such a good job with that game and <clears throat> the gameplay was so much fun. I really, really enjoyed it, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be picking it up, of course. Day yeah, the thing for me that I'm really curious to see is if releasing DLC like this for games like way after the original vanilla copy releases is a good thing or a bad thing. Because um, I know sometimes if you release like a big DLC like this right after a game, a lot of people don't play it because they still have yet to play the original. So with this one being out already for over a year, um, now we have some DLC coming. I am, I am wanting to go back to that world and see what actually happens story-wise. So I'm excited for it, but at the same time, uh, we'll see what games are out at that time and what I'm still playing and what I'm not playing. So this is not a day one for me um, just yet. And like I always say, I want to see more of the gameplay, see more of the story as what it teases out more of. But it looks really, really cool so far. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, these $40 uh, releases like this. So we saw that with New Dawn, right? And we saw that with um, Death of the Outsider for Dishonored. Um, sometimes they do well, sometimes they don't. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting this is coming out in late summer because it's obvious, you know, that Bethesda is thinking, okay, this isn't a, a title that's going to battle with the, the major titles in the fall. So I'm thinking, um, depending on what else, you know, shows up in the summer, that's really about the only season left that isn't overloaded. You know, we've seen kind of early year and spring become overloaded past couple years. So we'll see if uh, that has a positive impact on this, but I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. So uh, Blackout, uh, Call of Duty, uh, introduced a second map. Um, again, kind of low-key. I don't know if I just wasn't tuned in, but um, Alcatraz has released. It launched on the PS4 last week on the Xbox One and PC this week. And it's supposed to be more of a close-quarters combat, you know, type battle royale. A smaller map than their first one. And uh, I'm looking forward to jumping in. And I haven't jumped in yet, but I know Bert, you and I are going to uh, check this out as soon as we get our hands on it this week. Yeah, I'm really excited to see another map. So as, as we've seen with the Battle Royale genre, some, some games don't change outside of that single map, and some do. And so we were kind of just wondering what was going to happen with Blackout, and now we know. So they, they have worked on a second map, and uh, we didn't get to play since we aren't, we're on the Xbox version versus the PlayStation one. But I'm actually kind of excited to see what they've done here, to see what's actually new and what's not. As we kind of agreed, Blackout was fun. The first map was fun probably the first few times that we played it and then it kind of grew stale and we went back to our other battle royale games whereas on this one you know we'll see what's new here for this one so i'm actually excited to try it out too yeah and you know as we've talked about before but the moment to moment gameplay in call of duty is quite good that's one of the things it specializes in so if this is more close quarters it, it might play more like traditional call of duty multiplayer but with uh, uh what do you call it uh, battle royale kind of you know settings which is going to be interesting all right, um, so we had another combat cast this week uh, with uh, the crew at NetherRealm talking about Mortal Kombat 11 and unveiling another character. So the Collector was revealed yesterday. As you know, uh, the roster leak for this game 
recently, and that looks to be uh, a valid. In fact, Ed Boone confirmed in an interview with Game Informer that the roster has already leaked. So the leak that we put out on our site a few weeks ago looks to be valid. But the video footage of the collector looks uh, crazy, as you would expect. He's a really unique character, but um, really liked some of his movesets. I actually liked what I saw more than I thought I would, and I'm um, looking forward to kind of checking this out when it comes out here in a few weeks as well. Yeah, so I also watch these. The ones that I've personally gone silent on is the story trailers. So I do like seeing stuff on the new characters. And as you said, this one is very different from your typical Mortal Kombat character. So um, I don't know if I'm going to play with them right off the bat, but it does look like a, a decent character. Um, another thing that's kind of funny is uh, Boone did a, one of those 101 lightning questions with Game Informer. That was really interesting. I actually watched that too. It was yeah. really good. Really yeah, good. it was funny, and Boone's a hilarious guy. So, um, yeah. it was uh, if you if you're a fan or more interested in this game, or if you like Boone just in general, I recommend watching that video. It's a lot of fun. For sure, I was actually going to bring that up as well, which is funny. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that he kind of you could tell he accidentally mentioned is that he's already talked to Marvel. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the you know the rumor kind of came out this week, or is Netherrealm going to make a Marvel based game, kind of like they do Injustice, or maybe even something like a Marvel vs DC, which. I think that would be, I mean, the sales that game would say would be astronomical, I think. He also said that Mortal Kombat X was the best-selling Mortal Kombat in history, uh, as you would kind of expect being the newest and broadest, but it sold 11 million copies. So for people kind of wondering what kind of influence Mortal Kombat has nowadays, uh, 11 million copies, and you can probably expect MK11 to sell more, that's, that makes it one of the biggest cross-platform games on the market. So pretty impressive. All right, uh, Division 2, uh, Dan and I, in case you might not notice by now, if you're watching the video version, look uh, damn near hungover again, and that's because it was another late night this week spent playing Division 2. So the Invasion of DC, the first part of that update is now live. It came out uh, on Friday. It introduced the first gear sets to the game, a new World Tier 5, a new Stronghold, and a whole ton of quality of life improvements and tuning. Um, and, you know, early impression is very good. The new Stronghold is the longest Stronghold yet. It's very fun, a lot to it, and um, introduces some new kind of battle mechanics, which is neat, you know, mixes it up a little bit. The new gear sets were fun. We were hunting those last night, and so, uh, you know, Massive just continues to kill it. Uh, the, the game just keeps getting better and better, and it's only been a few weeks since release, and they've already had multiple updates, so really impressed. Uh, Dan, are you awake enough to come in here? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing I've never played a game that has like just totally engrossed all of my time as far as gameplay or game gaming time <clears throat> excuse me um, like the Division 2 I wasn't expecting it it came out of nowhere for me um, and they just keep improving it they keep adding you know some good stuff they make you know quick bug fixes when needed you know they, they just they just keep hitting the home runs, and it's 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 been really enjoyable to play. You know, it's it's fun to play with you know all the guys and these new gear sets give you another uh, another reason to kind of keep going. Um, they, they they do just enough, I think, with the with the enemies and and, and the mission sets to uh, keep it fresh. Um, I would like to see some a few maybe new things, but I mean. I just saw yesterday we saw enemies with bow and arrows, which I'd never seen before. Like three guys <laughs> with compound bows. I was like, what, what's happening? You know, <laughs> it's just all these little things that you you know you don't notice. Um, and we were talking last night. You know, there's there's so much of the the map 
even though we've been everywhere that we haven't seen, there's like little, you know, hidden secrets here and there. There's, it's just a good game. And, you know, aside from maybe like a single player game like Red Dead or something, this game has just been astronomical for me just as far as sucking all my time away, which is good, I guess. <laughs> you know, they did a great <laughs> job. I'm, I, I want to see more. I want to I try that raid when it comes out here shortly. Um, that they announced. Um, I'd like to see the new specializations or whatever. You know, it's just there's so much, and they did a really good job. I mean, incredible. Yeah. Speaking of which, the, they kind of leaked. Well, not leaked. They purposely showed what the fourth specialization is going to be here, uh, which comes out April 25th. No, excuse me. The uh, eight-player raid comes out April 25th, and then the specialization comes out shortly after that, which is going to be a minigun-based specialization, which just could be crazy i guess you could walk around like one of those big tanks with a minigun so pretty neat and then uh we get to the other end of the spectrum in a game called anthem um so <laughs> this game uh we've talked about at length we don't need to rehash everything about it but this week early early this week jason schreier over at kotaku uh unveil or not unveiled but released his long article which he worked on speaking to uh, several Bioware employees about the development of Anthem and what happened with that game, what the studio culture was like. And uh, long story short, it was not good. Um, it details years in development, many of which were completely wasted due to lack of direction, a severe lack of leadership, um, a severe amount of turnover, and you know just uh, wearing out the employees on time and frustration, lots of... Um, people leaving and complaining and just it just you know it really detailed a, a major major disaster and as you kind of read through it uh if you did read through it and you've played anthem extensively um it it all just came to light it's kind of everything that i think many of us suspected in the development those who play tons of games have been around a long time you can kind of feel when a game just something happened in development and guys i think we even talked about before saying that it's going to be interesting to see what happened with the development when it leaks because something was definitely wrong here and um you can just see it so if you haven't read that article i highly recommend it um guys what are your thoughts here on uh the debacle that has become anthem you're right so it's available in video format too and the only difference is jason schreier literally reads his article while there's footage of uh, anthem playing in the background and uh yeah, I mean, as you did mention, we were all talking about, man, what happened in that development cycle? It was interesting to also hear that there was numerous bills of this game that were scrapped and they changed <coughs> things over. And another thing that was hilarious or just weird to me is that flying wasn't even part of the original discussion at first. And then they brought it back for a demo and then they took it out again. And then, man, if you had to walk around in that world, I would have probably shot myself. So... The funniest um, part about that comment is that it was apparently EA that told them to put the flying back in. Yep. wasn't even bioware <laughs> yeah and i wonder if that would have changed the world you know if, if you had to walk around in like that nothingness that was in a lot of the game then man you would have just been bored or maybe there was npcs that were there initially and then they took them out because of the flying i mean it was just all over the place so i wonder what the repair is for this game at this point 
Um, we were, I think all three of us were talking earlier this week that everybody pretty much has moved over to Division and that the the base that's playing Anthem is dwindling right now. So they have a lot to do to fix. I mean, it's it sucks to see Bioware just falling and falling. I mean, we had Andromeda that had a similar horrible development type, uh, type game, and now we see it in Anthem when we thought this was the one that they were focusing on. Uh, is Dragon Age going to be another thing? Is Dragon Age even going to get the same quality that these games have gotten in certain areas? So I'm... I'm kind of down on Bioware right now. I, I don't know if this is an EA problem. It sounds like it's a combination of EA and Bioware, um, but it just it sucks so bad. I think me and Dan, and I think even you, Ains, have mentioned that Bioware was one of our favorite devs from the last generation. So to see them fall so far, just... Yeah, I'm in the same boat, man. This is... I'm almost done talking about it because it, it's, it's so... Like, as much as the Division surprised me, this one also did, and it's like a punch in the stomach because of how much I love Bioware. And while I think that the issues in studio and having that lack of leadership are huge, I also think that EA forcing these companies to use the Frostbite engine, which really isn't built for, you know, these kind of games. I know Dragon Age Inquisition used it. In the article it said how many problems they had with that. Andromeda was the same way. I think Mass Effect used Unreal when they were back back then. I don't understand why you force a developer's hand and make them use it aside from a money issue however the difference in you know if you make a good game and you use you know you have to license out whatever the the engine is to use right you'll make that money back if you do it right but they said you know there were so many struggles with that and that pisses me off that a that a publisher like that can just say this is what you're going to do and then, you know, really not support the dev, you know, and this isn't excusing Bioware for any of the, you know, workplace environmental stuff. It's just, you know, another thing to add into a, you know, already complicated, you know, just build of the game. So it's just, it's just, it's frustrating. And I'm so mad. Like when I think about it, I get so mad because you're right. Bioware was just, they were great and they did an amazing job with all these games and then fucking ea fucking assholes <laughs> i hate them god yeah it is frustrating and but we we kind of knew it was it was something like this uh i don't think we thought it was as bad as what was detailed by jason and you know the even make compounding the issue is bioware's response they had this canned response that really had no emotion or anything in it and they had it ready to go uh, as soon as jason posted the article which is just embarrassing like that yeah, they're they're digging their own hole. I know Casey Hudson came out this week and said they're gonna they're having multiple kind of executive level meetings this week to you know investigate culture. But we we've heard that before. We've heard that from many of these companies that have these types of issues. And if you know if they were serious about it, it would have changed you know a long time ago, um, or even after Andromeda, as as Bert alluded to. So. Anyway, well, let's go ahead and move on because we've talked uh, a lot about Anthem over the past few weeks. So we've got some big rumors that came out this week, and uh, most of these are pretty valid, uh, but I keep them in the rumor co column just until they are, you know, validated by the actual publishing or developing company. So first up is that in Division 2, someone found a poster on a wall that teased the next Assassin's Creed game being based around Vikings. And that kind of spread, and then uh, Jason, again over at Kotaku, said his sources, he can confirm that this is actually real. And they're now reporting that Assassin's Creed Kingdom, is the code name right now, is coming next year in 2020. 
and is going to be based around uh, Vikings. So this isn't too big of a surprise. We knew that Assassin's Creed was taking a year off this year, which I think is always is a good thing. Odyssey was excellent, and uh, you know I hope they take their time to make the next one. And this will be, I would think, guys, this will be one of those premier launch games for the next-gen systems when the next Xbox and PS5 launch in uh, fall, probably fall of 2020. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan, man. Yeah, so, this sounds awesome. You know, I love Vikings, love Assassin's Creed. I saw that Valhalla or whatever it was poster on there, and I was like, yeah, this would be cool. I never would have thought they actually would have done that, you know, kind of snuck it in there, but cool, man. I mean, this is... I'd like to see what it, what it turns out to be. I'd like to see some smashing. Maybe a little less assassiny, a little more crushing. So... <laughs> You're looking for for honor meets yeah. Assassin's Creed. I want to, yeah, exactly. I want to see them just, like just destroy people with giant, huge axes, and I mean, you know, it really does lend itself too to like the uh, the naval combat too. So that should be interesting as well. That's true. That yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing about the combat is it'd be a lot more primitive because they didn't have the same kind of cannons and stuff. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it could be really cool. The, the one thing is we've had so many different rumors about Assassin's Creed. I know before Odyssey came out and I think even um, uh, Origins came out, people were talking about it was going to be in Japan or China next. And so those all those rumors were nonsense. And I've been burned by so many rumors in the Assassin's Creed world that... I'm sitting kind of tight at the moment without, you know, being too excited about it. But now that the media in general is now saying that they have confirmed sources, that's where I'm kind of excited about it. Now, I am a big Vikings fan, as you guys may or may not know. I'm very into the mythologies of the Norse and also Greek and, and Roman stuff. So to see kind of that happen in the last five years, it's been kind of awesome for me because you had God of War and then everything that's happened since then. But there's been a lot of Viking stuff. I, I, I don't want to get overloaded on Viking stuff like I do with zombies, as we joke around, and other things that just turn into the thing to do at the moment. But it seems like Ubi's been working on this one for a while, um, and they have to have in order for it to be that quality that uh, Assassin's Creed games have been. And the other thing that I'm really interested to see is if this is going to be kind of its own standalone game, or if it's going to go back to a lot of the Assassin's kind of lore that we have not seen in the last couple games so origins kind of talked about the origin of the assassins um and, and the templar thing kind of getting started but not really touching on it too much and then odyssey kind of ditches it all together so there's not much of the assassins lore in it whatsoever um and so i want to see what happens with this one is there it's, i mean if you're going back to the vikings time so that was even like before the last couple games with the exception of of odyssey and stuff like that so i, I don't know i i really want to see what it is once it comes out I wonder if it'll be at E3 in some form with a trailer or something. Ubi's always got an awesome booth at E3, so I think that's where we'll see something, if anything. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, um, so everything you just said, and I'm really excited to see. I mean, we know how good Odyssey looked on uh, higher-end uh, consoles and PC, right? Like Xbox One X and higher-end PCs. It just looked incredible. And so just imagining what this could look and play like, uh, Viking setting on next-gen consoles is kind of... It's already got me excited. And to your point about uh, Ubisoft having one of those excellent booths, it's funny, Burke, I, my mind was just going there as we go to this next rumor, which is that Watch Dogs 3 is coming and that it's going to be set in London. And so um, I am one of those people who loved Watch Dogs, the original. Um, I, I liked one better than two, which I think I'm in the minority on. Um, although, you know, from what I see on social media and Reddit and places, I don't know if opinion is changing on one. You know, when that first came out, we heard a lot of complaints about Aiden Pierce and it being kind of drab. 
And now I see a lot of people saying they preferred it over two, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But um, the fact that this could be set in London gets me super, super excited. I love to see games set in London. It's my favorite city. And uh, just thinking about Watch Dogs 3, Next Generation, set in London, and just how good they've been at recreating those real-life cities like Chicago and San Francisco. Um, really pumped for this. So I'm hoping, to your point, Bert, we see this here in just a couple months at E3. Yeah, I still have two in its wrapper, so uh, I haven't even, <laughs> even started playing it. I've heard very mixed opinions on it. Some people loved it. As you said, people just destroyed Watch Dogs 1 when it came out because it didn't promise on what the trailer. I mean, we, that's when Ubisoft was lying in their trailers as to what their game was going to be. Um, but I actually enjoyed Watch Dogs 1 as well. I actually tried to go for the, the Platinum or the 1,000 Gamer score. I didn't quite get it, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it too. Yeah, I, I played. I didn't play 1. And I played about three hours or two, and I realized when I was playing it that while the game might be good, there's no way I'm going to have time to dedicate to this at the moment. It looked humongous. So, <clears throat> but I mean, it, it's Ubisoft, so hopefully they they you know keep improving and keep bringing uh, fresher stuff to the the series. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but. You know, and I've also never been to London, so no idea. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go. London's the best. Um, <clears throat> it's funny because we were, um, well, not we, but I heard some other major podcasts and other people saying, what is Ubisoft going to bring? Because they confirmed a full E3 presence and stage show this year. And uh, people were saying, you know, what are they going to show? They have Skull and Bones, but what else? Well, now we know that Skull and Bones, they've got uh, AC Kingdom, probably, probably Watch Dogs 3, probably more Siege content and Division content. So, yeah, they've got uh, they've got plenty coming. And then lastly, uh, a lot of big stuff for the Switch. Um, as we know, you know, the Switch has become kind of a landing spot for major third-party games that, you know, kind of being ported over to get increased sales and with the switch being so popular nintendo is also capitalizing on bringing a bunch of their own games and older games from other uh, generations to the switch so the latest is that uh, on april 25th we're going to see some stuff around persona on the switch including including excuse me persona 5 coming to the switch and then also leaked this week was that uh, zelda wind waker and twilight princess hd are coming to the switch along with a remastered metroid prime trilogy and this was leaked via multiple sources including some employee best buy listings and some of the uh, uh industry insiders so none of this really too surprising guys it would be really really cool to see persona 5 on the switch i love that game um that would be a, a great one to kind of take on the go or flights what have you and obviously for nintendo fans just having more of the zeldas and uh, metroid prime games on the switch would be amazing as well yep no, I <laughs> All right, so... I've Did you put any time Metroid. into Persona 5, Dan? Yeah, I put about two hours, and I got to... <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, I got to that part where something happened, and I was like, no, this is... It's gone off the rails. <laughs> it took me an hour just to figure out the stupid train stations. I mean, it's it a was... very, very deep game once you get into yes, it. Like, I've got, I've deep. got like, 40 hours in, and I'm, like, not even halfway through it. Yeah, I mean, you know... Yay for Persona people. That's fine. I mean, I love JRPGs. That's the thing. This one was just a little bit too out there for me. So I'm excited about the Zelda games. I am extremely excited about the Metroid Prime trilogy coming finally. Please, please. We've been talking about it forever. I just want to play it. 
Yeah, for me, so this is the funny one because dumb IGN decided to bring out their um, April Fool's joke earlier this week on what Nintendo Switch had coming out as, as their new trailer, and it's thrown a lot of people off as to what has actually been rumored for a real rumor versus an April Fool's joke. So um, there's a lot of other things that were teased on top of these, and I think Persona 5 is just an automatic. It's coming. We just don't know when. As Ain said, this would be great on the go. I played Persona 4 Golden on, on the Vita forever. Um, and to see this one come, I mean, I think it's the perfect game for the go. Because for some people, you can sit down and play Persona for hours upon hours. And then for other people, it's like a 30-minute here and there game um, because there's just so much going on. Um, but the unfortunate thing here is I was hoping for some of the Wii um, Zelda games to come out. I've already played Wind Waker twice now on two different consoles. And Twilight Princess, I've also played on two different consoles. So bring some new stuff that we haven't, you know, played, like the Wii Zelda games that I really want to play. Um, but that's not coming out anytime soon, it seems like. But I, I don't know. I'm great about that, but, you know, I'm not going to buy them a third time. And uh, as far as Metroid Prime Trilogy, I just come out already. I'll buy it. You know, I can't wait to play that game. <laughs> you, know, you could go back and play Zelda in VR now, right? Uh, are you talking about this one's getting the VR support, Dan? Yeah. How about that? It looks exactly <laughs> yeah. the same. Are we talking you about the lava thing? there and hold your Switch up there. And, God, I don't even want to talk about it. All right, anyway. Yeah, go move on. Oh, boy. Oh, new, boy. New Zelda off. experience. You're moving us off the rails here. Moving back on. <laughs> All right. Uh, what have we been playing lately, guys? So I know, uh, obviously, Dan and I will touch on some of the Division, but I know there's other games going on there. And, Bert, I think you were uh, just talking to us about Vampire, which you got to because of Game Pass. And uh, yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, so it's been on, I think, mine and your radar for a very long time since launch. I think in the fall, we just had so much going on that we had to pass on it. Um, and it did get some decent reviews, but due to a lot of technical issues on, on not only consoles, but PC more, um, it got kind of railed on uh, by a lot of uh, critics. And so um, I'm glad that they've patched a lot of it, but there's still a few uh, just not smoothness in a number of areas of the game. There's been a few bosses that I had to fight that, you know, glitched out and I didn't get to uh, finish them off or they killed me oddly. But uh, I'm only going to say Vampire is one of the most underrated games this generation, in my opinion. Um, it's not for everybody. It's very Souls-ish, uh, Sekiro-ish as far as gameplay goes. Um, not in difficulty-wise only, but also in the, in the meters that you play as. If you like the story elements from like Mass Effect, you have to try it out. It, it's a great game. If you're going to zoom through it, you're somewhere between 15 to 20 hours. It can last up to 40 to 60, though, if you have to find everything and do every story. And there's even some incentive to play it again in a different way. So I'm really enjoying it. And I'm still working on Persona. I'm at the 30-hour mark now, last because I was at the 20, 25-hour mark. And, and that's pretty much it for me. I mean, we did a little bit of MP this week uh, with Apex, which was kind of funny. Um, but that's about it. I haven't had as much time gaming this week as I've had other weeks. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, I really want to get the Vampire here eventually, whenever all these games slow down. We will see. But your comments definitely have me even more interested. So, Dan, what you been up to? Yeah, besides pretty much the, Division 2. Yeah. Besides Division, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've been playing a uh, pretty good share of when I'm not playing that. It's uh, MLB The Show. And I really am really digging that one. Um, last year, I played a very little bit. I think it was kind of... Uh, they didn't really bring a whole lot of renovation, and normally these games don't. This one seems like where last year should have been. You know, a nice step up. 
Um, and, you know, it's gorgeous to watch. You know, the controls are tight. I really, really enjoy baseball games. Um, I wish I could get one on Xbox, but it is what it is. Um, this, I've just been having a ton of fun with it. Um, I've also played a little bit of Yoshi's <clears throat> Crafted World. Played about three <clears throat> missions or levels. That's adorable. It's an adorable game. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's one of those that, you know, me and the kids will sit down and kind of switch off and play. So, it's fun. All right. Very cool. So, I've been playing, uh, yeah, mostly Division again. Uh, I was playing uh, Sekiro, Sekiro. I actually heard someone the other day say, it's Sekiro, not Sekiro. And I'm like, oh, who, who cares? Um, but whatever you want to call it. I've been playing a lot of that, and, and it... it it reflected on me. We were talking about the difficulty a lot. Hell, everyone's been talking about the difficulty as usual. And I, I watch a lot of videos on the Souls games. I'm just, I'm, I follow that stuff a lot. And the one thing that occurred to me, guys, and I know, uh, Bert, you haven't put some time into it. It kind of jumped out to me. So I was listening to a podcast and they said, you know, one of the neat things is you earn skill points. And as you build up that meter, once you get to like a skill point locked in, it doesn't matter how many times you keep that skill point. And I was, so the game's more accessible. And I was thinking, yeah, I guess that's true. You do keep your skill points. And then it occurred to me, I was playing the other day and I'm, I'm not stuck, but I'm on this one mini boss, which is pissing me off. And I was thinking to myself, you know, in the Souls games and Bloodborne games, you can grind uh, souls and you can level up because it's a build your own character type game in, in both of those where you can level up and get stronger and level up your weapons. In Sekiro, Sekiro, um, you get your skill points, but all your skill points do is actually unlock skills, like sword arts and some uh, passive skills, like your healing gourd will give you more health, what have you. But there is no way, without beating mini-bosses or major bosses, there is no way to level up either your health, your posture, or your attack power. And so what that means is, if you're the type of player that struggles with these games from a difficulty perspective, you know, even if you struggled with Souls or Bloodborne, if you really love the game and put the time in, you could grind out the levels and make the game easier for yourself. Because eventually you could just level up and level up and level up, and then you could one-shot, you know, most of the core enemies. In this game, with the way it's designed, you can continue to grind um, the coins and the skill points, but you're not getting any stronger. And so the way that works combined with the fact that most of the generic enemies are very repetitive they're the same enemies over and over again the only difference really is the uh, mini bosses and the big bosses um, with them scattered around the mini bosses in particular nearly everywhere to advance um, if you get stuck on one of those you have no recourse there's no way for you to um, improve your character to overcome that challenge and so that kind of dawned on me while playing it the other day and um, I just I don't know I think I think there's some bad design choices in that game and so we'll, we'll talk more about that maybe in the future I know I'm gonna review it eventually here for the site um, but I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because I've seen a lot of people say this is their favorite from game and I, I'm definitely not of that opinion I think both Souls 3 and Bloodborne are better games um, and so I have a few complaints with it which will I'm sure piss somebody off mm -hmm. um, Anyway, I wanted to throw that out there, Bert. I didn't know if you wanted to comment on that on that at all, having put a few hours in. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm so mixed with it. I mean, like I said, Bloodborne's still my favorite game from the thing, uh, as far as from software goes. Um, I really struggle with Sekiro in a number of areas, and I don't really like the battle system as much as I thought I would. Um, but I don't know. I, I it's like we always say, I love everything about the game, but the gameplay. 
um, which is just unfortunate. But um, yeah, I, I don't do as much research as you do on these. Maybe I'll come back to it, but like I said, I've already put it on my shelf as I'm not going to be playing it right now, which is just sad for me because I was pretty excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, with the, with the Division 2 update and being so good, I've, I haven't played it much this week either. Um, other than that, I've been playing, uh, I did pick up Borderlands Game of the Year, put a little time into that. It was really funny going back to uh, Pandora again, especially uh, I have put endless hours and endless characters into Borderlands 1 and 2. And so playing through the beginning of that again was was uh, kind of funny. It's very pretty and it runs very smooth. I'm actually impressed with how well it runs. Um, obviously, you can see some of the mechanics or you know uh, mission design a little bit dated nowadays, um, especially in Borderlands One compared to Two. But overall, it, the game really holds up. It's still a lot of fun to play, so pretty neat. And then based on your guys' recommendation, I started Edith Finch last week. I've only got about an hour into it, but uh, it's not a very long game, so hopefully I'll finish that up here in the coming weeks, too. Yeah, yeah, excited about that one. It's really interesting so far. So um, <clears throat> so I've got one review for you today. It's uh, The Division 2. So uh, I put up my formal review on the site uh, beginning of the week or last week when you're listening to this. And uh, as we do here, you know, just going to talk through that review very quickly. I'm going to keep it quick because we've talked about the game so much lately. Um, so really, you know, the thing I pointed out in my review of this game and we've touched on it is this is a game as a service and it's an ARPG. And when you look at the game from those two perspectives and compare it against its peers, whether you look at Anthem, you look at Destiny, you look at Warframe, Diablo, um, the state that this game launched in and the amount of content in this game from day one is extraordinary. Um, there have been almost no issues for anyone playing the game. On day one, the servers were up, people were in, you know, outside of the, the random, very, very minor disconnects or uh, some issues on some specific PC builds. Um, the game runs great. They have uh, been having maintenance, you know, overnight and just keeping it up and running without any issue. And when you look at that combined with the amount of content and just how much time you can put into this game, as you've heard Dan and I rail about, um, it is really extraordinary. And there's a lot of design elements in the game that will keep people playing for hundreds and hundreds of hours. And so the, the point I really wanted to stress with Division 2 is that uh, this is probably the best game as a service launch we have seen. Um, as, you know, I can't think of one that's gone better. And on day one content, it's probably the most broadest content on day one. Even if you look at a game like Diablo 3, you know, most people uh, consider that game an absolute classic now, which it is. But on day one, um, when that launched on PC in 2012, 2013, it was a disaster. People couldn't get in, the loot system was broken. I mean, it was a mess. And so we saw the same out of Destiny. We obviously saw the same out of Anthem. So uh, I think Massive and Ubisoft really deserve applause here on how they're handling the division and what they've uh, given to fans here. There's nothing you can buy with real money in the game except for some apparel crates. Uh, Dan, I believe you commented last night that uh, with this new release, there were 30 new crates and things you could get and you've already bought all of them. Is <laughs> that... <laughs> so uh you know there's again nothing you can spend real money on except for just clothing in the game so it doesn't affect anybody else you can just have fun with it um just those types of design elements and uh you know then you talk about the technical achievement right the recreation of dc is remarkable it's absolutely gorgeous and and they nailed it in a one-to-one -one ratio um the lighting and the uh, storm implementation everything that runs on that snowdrop engine is beautiful it's very smooth i mean i could just go on and on about how good 
this game is when you look at it from you know many different aspects so I said in my review that you know our top review score is uh, equivalent to a 10 and it's uh, labeled as historic I honestly debated rating this game historic only because when you compare it against all its peers it's it is historic it's the best we've ever seen of this type of game that said um, I didn't think it was a defining game of the generation, at least not yet, and so uh, rated it as sensational. But I think that everything we've talked about, um, it's just one of, the, one of the best games we've seen in years. I definitely think it's my game of the year so far in 2019, and I think uh, for people like us who enjoy those type of open-world character-building games, it's definitely going to be in the game of the year conversation uh, this year. So anything you guys want to ask of me, Dan, I know you've put as much time or more than, than me into it. So I'm not sure if you have anything, but uh, Bert, any comments or anything else to say here? No, I'm glad you guys are liking it. It seems like a great game in that genre. So it seems like it's been received very well everywhere. And um, looking forward to read more of the review and, and writing. So I, I have a couple questions. Okay. So one, <laughs> how much of its success and you know it's you know the quality of it i mean let me, let me put it this way if you put a diamond next to a pile of turds all right <laughs> that diamond's gonna look even better so it really didn't have a whole lot of competition as far as launch goes because i mean you're looking at you like you said diablo 3 destiny 2 anthem you know turds total turds how much do you think it's it's the comparison? You know what I mean? Like, how much is it that it's really not doesn't have that kind of competition, so it really didn't have to do very much? Now, this is this is just playing devil's advocate, obviously, but you know, and how much of it is actually Division Two standing on its own? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I off the top of my head, I would say it's a little of a, little of b, right? I think that. That's kind of my point, is that launching a game as a service on this scale um, with this much content is very, very difficult to do for developers because we haven't seen any developers successfully do it. If it were, if it were easy, there'd be a whole bunch of them on the market, right? Um, and we know that over time, games like Destiny and Diablo get a lot better and they you know, produce a lot of content and have a good uh, player base. But I think that's the point is that Massive took everything they learned with the Division One and all that stuff they improved over the last three years and they launched a new game that not only contained all of that quality of life, but an entirely new city, entirely new content design, um, and just, you know, built this so well from day one that they really deserve a round of applause. I don't think we've seen a game in this genre launch this successfully. So a little maybe a little of A, a little of B, but I think uh, it would be I think people may underestimate the level of effort it takes to launch a game of this size mm -hmm. at this scale um, so successfully. And Massive yeah. deserves applause for that. Totally agree. And my other question was, being a, you being a you know veteran of Division One, is there anything from that first game that isn't in this game that you would like to see implemented? Mm, that's a good question, too. I think... Um, one of the things that's been confusing for Division One players has been uh, the weapon mods. So this is getting a little into the details, but in the first game, weapon mods would drop from enemies, and you could find they were randomized like the rest of the gear. Whereas the weapon mods now are kind of you—you you unlock them, and then you can just put them on any weapon you know that you get going forward. 
And so that makes it easier. And I like the fact that you don't see all these drops um, that are just weapon mods. You get excited about a yellow drop and then it's just a weapon mod. But um, it also has reduced some of the variety of, you know, the weapon mods themselves. And so you would kind of hunt for that perfect mod. I think they need to add a little spice and variety to that. Um, I think the specializations are a great idea that can be further implemented a little better. Um, I often find that I rarely pull out my 50 cal to do anything. You know, when I do, it's a couple shots and then you're right back to your normal weapon. So I think they can maybe expand upon that better. But um, it really has the majority of what is in Division 1 now uh, in it already, along with extra stuff. There's, there's not a whole lot that really jumps out from the Division 1 and I say, damn, I really miss this. Um, I think they've done a great job of keeping what works and then adding upon it. Awesome. So, all right, guys. So, like I said, we've talked about the division um, a lot. So, we will stop it there. And uh, you can find my review on the site. Any other questions, as always, if you're thinking about getting into the division, there's a number of resources out there. Feel free to uh, shoot us any questions, uh, comment on uh, the review, or, uh, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff out there on the game. So, we are going to head over to our favorite section, Name That Game. And Bert, this week it is you. We are back full circle to you presenting, and we have already said if it's Meteos 2, we're just going to end the episode right now. Well, I hope you did play this game. It is a fun one. I played the crap out of it as a kid. So um, with that being said, I think, Dan, you're you're going first, right? So Yeah, so, so the, uh, the first hint here is this game came out in 1994 and was the main developer was not Argonaut Software. They were only assisting in the development. I'm going to go with Earthworm Jim. No, but that is a great guess. Love that game. Ains, how about you? <laughs> yeah, definitely in the right era, 94. Uh, I'm going to go with Gunstar Heroes. Nope. Also a great game. Love that one. <laughs> So, uh, actually, so the second question here, this one's, I guess, staying with Ains this time. Uh, the game was developed in a cartoon style. At a cartoon style. Cartoon style. Hmm. Let's go with uh, Comic Zone. No, but also a great game on the Genesis. Love that game. I have no idea. Earthworm Jim 2. <laughs> no, not Earthworm Jim too, but great guess again, Dan. Great guess <laughs> again. <laughs> All right, sticking with Dan on this one. So these characters did have a cameo in Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Gosh, Earthworm Jim three. No, that's not my guess. Um, <laughs> uh the characters no, from the game had a cameo in Super Smash Brothers Brawl. In Super mm -hmm. Smash Brothers Brawl. They were not playable. Not playable. I don't know. Uh, there's more than one character, so I have no clue. I'm going to pass. Okay. <laughs> um, how about the Ice Climbers? No. Yeah. No. That's I, I, that funny game? enough. I never played that game. Never played that <laughs> no, game. I, I I know the original is an NES game. I have no yeah, idea very, if there's very, another game in the '90s or not. I just was thinking yeah. of characters that from Smash Brothers. There, there is not. There is not another game. In the 
from that from that game. So, all right, moving on to our next uh, clue. I believe this one's staying with Ain. So, sticking on the uh, cameos in this game, the R wings from Star Fox appear in a level and fly around. Okay, so we're definitely Super Nintendo. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you guys um, that down. Great, great. <laughs> the problem is that's the next clue. <laughs> it's a Super Nintendo game. <laughs> oh boy. Um, oh man. Jeez. No clue, man. This is tough. This is tough. Uh, yeah. I. I um. Earthworm Gem 3? No, 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 no. I'll go with... I know this isn't it, but I'm going to go with one of my favorite shooters, Axelet. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> what would you guess? Axelet. It's a, it's a shmup on the SNES. Yeah. Yeah, I have... What are the hardest games to find right now in physical form? Yes, uh, I want one. If anyone listening has a complete copy of Axelet, please let me know. Of what? Axley, why do you keep asking the same thing? <laughs> it sounds weird when you're saying it. A X L E Y. Yeah, take take the two words and put them together. Ax and lay. Axley. Axley. Yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> now I'm off the show again. I'm going go with Sonic. I'm going with Sonic Two. No, remember it's a Super half. Nintendo game. So I got to get Sonic for one of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sticking on uh, Dan, your 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 guess here. So this is one of the few games, this should narrow it down for you as we get later on, that used the Super FX chip in the Super mm. Nintendo cartridge. So this did enhance yeah. the game. Yeah, I, yeah. I really want to click on Google right now, but I won't. You can't. Uh, what is Don't it? do that. What's that? The Super FX chip? I've never even heard of that shit before. So, Damn it, Dan. I, I don't... Listen, listen. This is you're talking 1994. I was like 18 years old. I've slept I don't know how many times since then, so I tend to forget shit. Um, Donkey Kong. Hey, that's a good guess, but no, that's not it. Yeah, the Super FX chip was the chip that allowed uh, Star Fox, Star Fox, excuse me, to kind of look 3D-ish. It was when those they first did those early polygon models on the Super Nintendo, which people were blown away by. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you look at them today, you will scratch your eyes out. Whatever. Very familiar with all of this. I, I adored my SNES at the uh, at the time. Had these games. Read a ton about all of this back then. And to Dan's point, it's been a long time. So I'm going really blank here. Um, that would have been when Rare was involved too. Yeah, back okay. then. I, I have no no clue. Hmm. I'm coming up with nothing. I've got nothing. I'm going to have to pass, otherwise I'm okay, just going to hold you're us passing. up. Yep. All right, well, in this case, uh, you're the next guest here. So, uh, <laughs> In Japan, the game is called Wild Tracks. Wild what? Tracks. T-R-A-X. Tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the original Super Mario Kart. Nice. No. No. That is incorrect. Mario. Uh, Dan, yeah, turn? Mar- Mario. And why would they name it different in Japan? What a stupid so, guess. Say that one more time. Something tracks. T-R-A-C-K-S. I'm having problems hearing. I'm getting old. <laughs> the game in Japan is called Wild Tracks, and that's T-R-A-X. Oh, okay. Well, well oh, thanks for breaking that one I, out. 
How about there was uh, racers, uh, Donkey Kong Racer, Diddy Kong Racing or something like that? Was that back in the NESs? Now, Diddy Kong Racing was uh, N64, also a fun yeah. game. But that's yeah, not it. I tried. I tried. <laughs> that's an educated guess. I like it. Yes. A- oh, I you know, remember my last one. <laughs> Ains? Oh, no, I already, I already went. You already went. Oh, oh sorry, Dan. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, so next clue, which I'm not sure is going to help based on how you're you're <laughs> mentioning it, Dan. <laughs> In this racing game, you can choose between F-type, coupe, four-wheel drive, a two-wheel drive, or a trailer. RC Pro M. <laughs> no, but that was that was a great game. I think that was I on NES, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Great game. That's through something out Very there. great game. Yep. Oh, that's, that's all I got, man. It's, yeah, you got us good here because it's definitely gonna be one I know, but I can't, I can't think. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Damn, super off road. No, no, that is not correct. All right, the next clue, and after that, I think we're running out of questions. But really? back during the back during the marketing campaign, Nintendo teamed up with Kellogg's and Mattel. And with two proofs of purchases from your, you know, your cereal box back in the day, you could mail it in and you could get a car. Like a real car? A car from the game. <laughs> yeah. A car from it was, the it was game. A, it was a hell of a deal. That's yeah. a um, crazy deal. I need to go buy some cereal. You, you get, yeah, and the actual car is called the limited edition F-Type, which is one of the cars you race as in the game. So yeah, I, very I sought after, that. very sought after, especially if it's factory sealed. You know, it's still got that. That's seal. It's not F zero. Is that your guess? Yeah. Uh, no, it is not F zero. I'm gonna go with F zero two. I I don't have any clue. No let's clue. See what, let's see what question we're on here, just to confirm. One, two, Feels three, like seven. four, five, six, seven. That that was eight. Oh okay. boy. That that was that was eight. <laughs> All right, let's go. Dan, you're okay. up next. All right. Uh, if you played Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, the most recent game in there, it was an unlockable spirit. That doesn't help. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, more, I, it's, it's, it's more recent. I have a feeling you guys just don't know the game. You guys just want to give up on this? No, 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 no. Okay, so Dan, it's in your your wheelhouse right now. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I know you love it. All right. So, it's, what was the last clue? Like it's gonna matter. It was in the most recent Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. You can unlock the characters from this game as a spirit. Very different from Brawl and Brawl. They yeah. were just a cameo. You could just get a sticker of them, and this one you can actually see them in the background, and you can use them as a spirit. Um, I'm going with Wild Tracks Three. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> Negative. This is fucking dumb. What the hell, guys? I'm sucking ass. I'm sucking ass. I, don't I hate anything. not getting Super Nintendo games because that was like my favorite. No, man, no, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have it. Rock and Roll Racing. Give us that last cue, clue. No, that was one of my one of my favorite uh-huh. games, though. Rock and Roll Racing. Okay. Um, the last clue is not going to really help you guys too much, but um, it never came out in an arcade. It was a Super Nintendo only release. There's been no sequels to it, and the director is Tatsuya Hishida. That's, that was the, the last clue, which doesn't really help out, which is why I'm saying I don't think you guys are going to get this one. 
Oh, yeah, I got nothing. It, it, it's mostly compared to Super Mario Kart, which you guys have mentioned, and it has very uh, a ton of similarities to F Zero, which you guys have also mentioned. So I can't really mention anything else on that one. Yeah, I don't have it. I think you got us again. Yep. Gotcha. Dan, yeah. give up. All right. Nope. The game. The game was called Stunt Race FX. It was a really uh, cool game where the 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 cars were like an animation. They had big eyeballs as headlights, and you could roll around with them. It was actually one of the most rented games back in the day at, at Blockbuster and your your typical grocery stores, just because the, the the box art was pretty cool. Look it up, guys, as you're listening. Stunt Race FX. Well, he media I've never stuff. seen this before in my life. <laughs> what are you doing? This game was massive. What, you said what that about Meteos. <laughs> yeah, is that like Meteos was awesome. From the director of Meteos, we bring you Stunt Race FX. Meteos was the highest selling game on the Nintendo DS when it launched. What are you guys talking oh, about? What, for like the first day? <laughs> no, for the first quarter. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I remember the name, but yeah, I don't think I played this one going back. Um, it no, had a Metacritic I'd... score of a 93 back in the day, if you were to use Metacritic. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. I don't buy it. Let me see the game. Why has he got eyeballs? I've never seen this thing before in my life. Oh, I've seen the box. Yeah, okay. <coughs> hey, Miyamoto produced it. Cool. Yep. That would have been, yeah, I would have got it then. <laughs> yeah, I would have given it away. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. There you go. All Thanks right. for playing. Well, Another anyway, stuff. we got crushed again, and yet again, I have to say the gloves are coming off. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. I was like, you know, Maximo is just enough, you know, a little bit obscure, but also an awesome game that probably everybody's played. Nobody's played Wild Track except for Bert. And the three people FX. that bought it. Whatever it is. Wild Track XX. It's the same thing. Alright, I'll be nicer next time, I guess. I thought you guys would have played this one. For it? There's not, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, give it time. Give it time. Jesus. Right. All right, <laughs> all right, guys. So with that, we're going to close on out. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, our latest episode of Backseat Gaming is up where the three of us finish off our Battle Royale series by playing Apex Legends together. Uh, it goes uh, not well. I'm just going to say it goes not well. We didn't do too well. Um, want to apologize ahead of time. I, mean, I put a note on the uh, video about this, but due to the way we recorded with three different streams pieced together, there are some uh, quality issues where it's not up to our usual par, so apologies in advance for that, but uh, the content itself is kind of funny, so check that out. Other than that, um, anything else you guys want to close out with? Now, we've got some ideas in the pipe. Yeah, Wild Tracks. I think we're going to have Dan play Wild Tracks for our stream. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll uh, we'll be starting a new Backseat Gaming series uh, this week as you're listening to this. So look for it Friday. And uh, as always, uh, stay tuned. Uh, appreciate any likes and follows, subscriptions, etc. And we will talk to you next week. Peace. <laughs>